two. Brian, how you doing today? Good, real good, James. Thanks. Good morning. Yeah, good morning to you. How long have we been doing this now? Well, you know what? This is podcast number two, but if you're speaking about experience-wise, I think what? We're closing in on 40 years combined experience? Yeah. Yeah, so anyway, I guess those uh, tuning in and listening, there is some value in the topics we cover. Right. Right. <laughs> wow, Brian. October 2020. Yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a rough one. Um, October presented some unique challenges to the financial markets, and uh, certainly you had to kind of have a steel stomach to uh, to weather some of the up and down. But hey, volatility these days is uh, is is something that we just have to be that much more used to. And you know, one of the issues that we encountered in October was the virus has not gone away. The coronavirus has not gone away. All of a sudden, you start getting headlines that Europe is going to go through some targeted lockdowns and things like that. It's, oh my goodness, what are we up against now? So market all of a sudden encounters chop, but then you've got this big um, event in the election coming up and nobody's wanting to buy that movement lower, so to speak. So you kind of had this strange space. The volatility can't be totally attributed to the election that was coming up in early November, it was more the virus concern coupled with this, I'm going to just kind of hang tight and not do anything. But, uh, you know, it, we, we've gotten through it. So uh, I think we're looking okay. Yeah. Now it's November 6th. Votes are being counted. You know, where do we stand with the election and the market? Yeah. So the, the election obviously was going to be this, this event. And it, it's uh, living up to its expectations. Um, we still don't have a clear victor right now. That's, uh, that's clear. But I can tell you this. The goal would be to have where our government can't do too much. The market would love to just keep a divided Congress. And the presidency, I, I don't want to um, rile anyone up here. But again, it, it's just less impactful than some of us really think about. Because Good companies are going to be good companies no matter what. It doesn't take the president to run the company. And when we are investors, that's what we're doing. We're, we're investing in companies. But what we can't have is those policymakers doing too much. Divided Congress, market would love it. Nice. Well, like we talked about before, we wanted to kind of get topics from clients. We had a lot of people, you know, submit some of those. One of them that we did get was the national debt. Not what is it or how do we pay it off, right? Right. But, right. You know, not, what do we think about? Not going to happen anytime soon. Right. Yeah. And, and in fact, the national debt—I mean, it's a tool. It's a tool, and you don't necessarily think about it like a household debt per se. Because remember, the national debt has to run our country, and quite frankly, has an impact on the world. Our national debt has surged two thousand, two hundred, excuse me, two hundred percent since two thousand and eight. You know, even that number sounds crazy, but you know, there are times where it's important for us to use our resources to battle uh, some uncertainties out there. You're coming out of maybe like a wartime scenario. You have to stimulate your economy to, to reach that uh, next stage of growth. You're impacted with a virus. You have to use some of that um, leniency in the debt. And the nice thing about where we're at right now is interest rates are so low that the payment is very manageable on our debt, even at a higher amount. If uh, interest rates go up a bit, that could impact things a little bit, maybe make that debt a little bit more um, scary, I guess. But in the in the current environment, we have to do this. We have to spend. Another question, another housekeeping thing that we typically look at yeah. um, is something called tax harvesting. But what is it in terms of a strategy? You know, what are the benefits of it? Right, right. 
Well, that's where the 40 years of experience together comes in. Um, we've done this for many individuals and households over the years. Tax harvesting is just understanding where you're at from a tax liability standpoint in a given year, making some judgment calls on what we expect taxes to do into the future, and then acting accordingly. When we're speaking to tax harvesting, we're more talking about non-IRA, non-qualified money. So you've got money in a trust, maybe it's an individual account, a joint account with investments in it. It might make sense for us to take a capital gain this year versus waiting into a future year. So if you're in the 12% tax bracket, you take a capital gain, you've got a very attractive rate that you're paying. So why not tend to the garden and make sure that we're heads up with our tax strategy. So as we approach year end, talk to your advisor about tax harvesting. Another year end that we see a lot of commercials from, but it doesn't necessarily need to happen at the end of the year, are Roth conversions. Mm -hmm. so when should we do them? When does it make sense? Who does it make sense for? Yeah, so the Roth conversion, and again, this is something that you can do it any time during the year, but the conversion you want to get done by the by 1231 of the given year. So the Roth conversion is similar to that tax harvesting strategy, but this is impacting your IRA account. What the goal would be is say, is there any room in that lower tax bracket for me to take money out of my traditional IRA, pay taxes when you know, taxes are theoretically low, and then, hey, I've paid the taxes on it, and now that Roth can grow tax-free. It's a very heads-up call, and it's a really important thing to go through um, as you walk through the year because you can really gain some ground here. I often explain this to clients as saying, if you go into the supermarket and you find that paper towel is on sale, you know that you're going to need paper towel into the future. Right now, you only need one roll, but you're going to need it into the future. Would you buy a few rolls, put them in your closet at home, and then pull them out when you need them later? Kind of like that. Pay taxes when they're seemingly on sale. There's not, there's not a whole lot better in retirement than income without taxes. <laughs> you got that. <laughs> if we could do that for a client. Well, and let's, say, let's just face it. Taxes are low right now. And, hey, we touched on the national debt. What's a way that we can impact that? Taxes go up a bit. So, anyway, again, just be mindful. Heads up. Anybody with uh, that's married filing jointly in gross income, about 105000 anything below that, you want to do a Roth conversion, probably a single individual, like 52, 53 in gross income, anything under that, we might consider that Roth conversion. Well, and someone might even look at that as a tool to maybe manipulate or make an adjustment to an asset allocation. But there's actually some bigger topics and ideas when we're looking at asset allocation, you know, its perspective changing maybe with the regime, how it should look. Yep, yep. Yeah, so this idea of a new allocation regime, the bottom line is when you're looking at portfolios, you can't just say, well, stocks are risk and bonds are lower risk. That's not the case. Now, what's the macroeconomic environment? What's the big picture? Well, I can tell you for certain where interest rates are have changed that paradigm. And interest rates have been coming down for 40 years. There's individuals that have uh, had a wonderful career as uh, investment advisors and never had to worry about rising interest rates. You know, where we're at from an interest rate perspective, we have to look at stocks and bonds differently. And so my clients will certainly be noticing a, a change in asset allocation. And James, I know yours will too. Um, and so recognize that our goal is to always make sure we have a prudent level of risk for our clients. But keep in mind, we get to choose what risks we want to take on 
to, to meet that risk budget. So we just always have to be so diligent about finding the right risk so that we can get a wonderful risk-adjusted return. With the great Financial Sense podcast, I know we promised eight topics in eight minutes, but something like that, you know, I'll let you run a little longer yeah. just because it is important. It's something that's starting to kind of make a little more, get a little more noise from the news. Absolutely. From Absolutely. Well, hey, and the bottom line is uh, just know we're on it. We're on it. We're always thinking we run dynamic asset allocation strategies, and that word dynamic is so important because it allows us the autonomy to just make sure that we're serving our clients and maximizing that risk-adjusted return. So important. Thanks for letting me have a little extra time. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither of us are, have ever been introduced to a story we can't make longer than that. No, I know. Now, the last couple topics, um, you know, are very, very important with what's been going on now between the virus, between the election season, between unemployment, the economy. So if we look at and we revisit from even the first podcast that we did, um, you know, portfolio discipline yeah. and staying the course, yeah. has that proven to be a good decision? Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. One of the things that we touched on in the last podcast was kind of the market event that everybody expects is normally what doesn't play out. And so you've just got to be so careful with trying to, you know, make a gut call in your portfolio. Keep in mind, we are running a very disciplined uh, strategy within your portfolio that lends itself. You don't have to time it. You know, quite frankly, it's the old saying of it's never timing the market. It's time in the market. Let us surgically focus your investment exposure. So that way you don't have to make those timing decisions. We can have what we need is the time in the market. And I think that this, uh, this election week is a, is a great testament to that. You know, everybody expected this big move lower in the market and, and it didn't come. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not going to be volatility into the coming weeks and months and years. It will be there. But just recognize that thing that seems so clear, clear as day that's going to happen. The market has a way of humbling. And I think to get us towards the end of this podcast, I think that we need to make sure we at least touch on have an update with what you know, the coronavirus, COVID-19, where that stands, how it's affecting things, you know, what's our perspective, even just a month removed from, you know, when even when we started kind of doing things with the first podcast, you know, how do we look at it now? Yeah, yeah. The virus is a big issue for the world, and uh, you know you can't minimize it at all. But but you can say, well, what are the real facts here? Obviously, the media has a, a totally different agenda than uh, what we might have um, just in communication. And, and I think that yeah, in Europe, um, you're starting to see some targeted lockdowns and some things to try to control this virus update. But I'll tell you, as much as Europe looks challenging, Asia looks really good. Um, so, you know, again, it's not a total uh, train wreck around the globe as of right now. The U.S., definitely. We have a new uh, resurgence of the virus. And in fact, we're setting record numbers with those diagnosed uh, just recently, 125,000 in a day. Now, this certainly has a little bit to do with more effective um, access to testing. But, you know, just to put that in perspective, the, the U.S. has a population of 331 million. So when you're looking at that, we're talking um, three to four one hundredths of one percent. I mean, it, sure, we cannot minimize how important this is. I can tell you 99 percent of us um, are not going to be impacted at that rate of number. But yet again, we've got to keep our eye out.
And we've got to be, uh, you know, diligent. And, and again, just make sure that we're aware of where that stands. Thank you, Ryan. And yeah, it is, uh, it's important for us to be on top of these things. You know, podcast number two. Yeah. The books. Enjoyed it again. Yeah. And my apologies to everyone who, uh, you know, again, this is drag, drug on a little bit. Um, so. Thank you, Ryan. See you in a month. Sounds great. Thank you.